0: issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. I believe That's the Great Service, the Creed, I Believe in One God, by William Byrd, the Talus Scholars, and Peter Phillips. We say that we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ. What is in that word Lord? It appears often in the New Testament referring to Jesus. And St. Paul says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Well, the church is already confessing it in the Nicene Creed. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Live on this Monday afternoon, January the 30th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Our series on the Nicene Creed continues with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. We'll be in the second part of the creed. Then we're going to talk about an ACLU argument that abortion is a religious right. Tom Jipping of the Heritage Foundation will be our guest. We'll round everything off today. Looking forward to Sunday morning according to the three-year lectionary, the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany with Pastor Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Pastor Will Whedon is Assistant Pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's author of the books Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. And he's host of the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, welcome back. Hey, thank you, Todd. Give us a little recap of how far we've come so far in our series on the Nicene Creed.
1: Sure. Well, last time, of course, we introduced the history of the creed, whence it came to the combination of the Council of Nicaea and the Council of Constantinople, the first of both of those councils. And then uh, we, we just sort of worked our way through the first article. We noted that peculiar Pauline language of the one God referring to the Father Almighty And how the confession that that the Father is the source of the persons of the Trinity really was a hallmark of the theology of the Cappadocian fathers who were instrumental in sort of formulating the creed in its final form. And we especially considered how important it was to confess in our day and age that God is himself the creator. He's the one that, you (laughs) know— Nothing that exists, exists because of chance. It all is created by his fatherly will. And there will be an accounting to God, our creator, at the end of the world and the day of judgment. So we consider all of that as we looked at uh, the person of the father. Remember, when we were looking at the person of the father, we do want to stress, he is the source of the son and of the Holy Spirit, an eternal source, so that the son is going to be, as we're going to hear shortly, eternally begotten
0: of his father. You wanted to begin by taking us to an account of the calming of the storm in Mark chapter 4. What's there? Yeah, I love
1: this. This is one of my favorite pericopes in, in all the Bible, but you know, just listen to this story. On that day, when evening had come, he, that would be Jesus, said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion so let's just stop at that point and think okay here you see the true humanity of the lord jesus right he asks his disciple give me to the other side let's let, let's get out of here and as he's been teaching all day he's wiped I know sometimes people who don't do public speaking have a hard time believing that public speaking really wipes you out, but it's really true, isn't it? You'll agree with me that if you spent the morning preaching and teaching, when you come home in the afternoon after that meal, you're ready to snooze, right? Absolutely. So there Jesus is, he's in the stern asleep on a cushion and the boat's starting to go down, right? So they wake him up and say to him, teacher, do you not care? that we are perishing. You've seen his true humanity. And now watch this. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. I mean, you can almost translate that as, you know, muzzle it, stay muzzled. And there was, the wind seized, there was a great calm. And he turns to the disciples and said, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And then this is the key. And they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I don't know. I always picture them just backing as far away from him as they can get in that boat with their eyes real huge, just staring at him and really asking, you know, who on earth can this be that's in the boat with us? Well, it's the answer to the question of who's in the boat with us that the Nicene Creed begins to answer In the second article, and it is an astonishing answer to who it is that is in the boat with us.
0: Now, I mentioned the word Lord, which we tend to pass over because I think it is so common in Mm -hmm. both the Old and the New Testament. But I want to get to Luther's insight on what it means to have a Lord when he comments on the Apostles' Creed. But what are we saying when we say, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, and then in one Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, I mean in fact I'd like to just literally take that Nicene Creed section apart word by word. And the first chakra is and. Because (laughs) this connects this and connects you to the first article where you've just said there's only one God, the Father, the Maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and, and invisible. And if you're a Jew or even I guess if you're a Muslim, you want to put a period right there at the end of that article and say, okay, that's it, right? <laughs> there, There is no other period at the end. But to be a Christian is not to have a period there, but to have a chi, an, an and in, in Greek. And so, and, and to the one God, and, well, this is, tells you you're already dealing with the truth that you learned from the Torah, and, you know, and you learn in Deuteronomy six verse four that Yahweh our God, Yahweh is one, Adonai, you know, Adonai, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. And then in Genesis one twenty six, you learn that the one God speaks in plural, right? Debates or deliberates among himself. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So inside of the unity, there is something plural. That's what the Christian creed gets you to when it says, and, and then one, one Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the language is borrowed directly from St. Paul. If you remember 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. This one also has an echo in Ephesians 4, 5, right? One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And remember, that's a whole Trinitarian passage. It starts out with the one Spirit, and it ends up with the one God and Father of all. And in the middle, one Lord. That would be the Lord Jesus Christ, And it doesn't let you then pull Jesus into pieces so that you have, in effect, like Nestorius ended up with, even though he didn't want to, he still ended up with two lords because he so divided the humanity from the divinity. You know, He could attribute actions to the one exclusive of the other in a way that the New Testament doesn't allow you to do. When the disciples are in the boat, they don't say, oh, well. That was Jesus the God who said to the wind, stop. And it was Jesus the man who was resting on the cushion and tired out and sleeping. You can't do it. You got to hold it together as one Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word you are curious about there and wanting to get us to, yes, Luther's insights on Lord are beautiful, but I think before we run to Luther, it really behooves us to stop and think about what this means, that throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, whenever you had uh, especially like starting already in the Septuagint. So the Greek translation of the Old Testament, whenever you came to the Tetragrammaton, to the four letters, Y-H-W-H, anytime that came along, they would substitute for it, "Curious Lord. And this is following what the Hebrew did, substituting Adonai. Again, Lord, Mr., Sir, put in place of the actual four letters of God's name. So if you think about that, That means in Philippians 2, when every knee bows and every tongue confesses and says that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, that really is saying that Jesus Christ is Yahweh to the glory of God the Father. In other words, it doesn't take any glory away from the one Father When the Son is being extolled and praised, it's only a praising of the Father when you recognize that the Son is himself truly Yahweh. He is the God whom you meet in the pages of the Old Testament. I remember years ago, Todd, you you first brought this up. I thought it was so brilliant. You said... You know, when people say, well, Jesus never addressed this or that subject, they would point to, the, you know, the pages of the New Testament and you would, you would right away say, wait a minute, you know, you do realize he's the one who gave us the Ten Commandments, right? <laughs> he's Yahweh speaking in the Old Testament. And once you realize that, the whole Old Testament comes to life in a way that uh, is just stunning, brilliant. And that is the confession of the New Testament. This, this is why they were ready to stone Jesus over and over again. They understood exactly what he was saying. He was putting himself on an equality with God, claiming himself to be Yahweh.
0: What do we make of the proper name and then his title, Jesus
1: Christ? Yeah, thank you. Jesus, oh, such a beautiful name, right? In the New Testament, we learn in Matthew 121 that this is the name that the angel, we assume the angel Gabriel, reveals to Joseph in a dream and tells him, this is what you're going to name that child. And then we have the same thing in Luke 131 where the angel Gabriel very specifically tells Mary, this is the name that you will give the child. And with Jesus, of course, Todd, comes Joshua, right? We tend to hear them as separate names, but they really are the same name. And so for Jesus to be Joshua, remember, Moses couldn't get the job done. He could get you to the promised land, but he couldn't get you into the promised land. For that, you had to have Joshua. So the law gets you so far, but Jesus comes full of grace and truth to do the job the whole way, to get you all the way into the promised land. So big typology with the name of Joshua. And by the way, that's why also it gets confusing if you've got a King James and you're reading in Hebrews and every once in a while, you'll see that he uses the name Jesus. He means Joshua. He's talking about, you know, if Jesus, if Jesus had given them rest, well, he means if Joshua had given them rest, he wouldn't have spoken later of another time. And then of course, the great title, Christ, the anointed one, that is the one who is the fulfillment, the promised King, who is the fulfillment of all the numerous Messianic promises from the... The seed, that, the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent, the seed of Abraham who will bring blessing to all the peoples of the earth, all the families of the earth, all the way down through the great prophecies of Isaiah, Zechariah. I mean, it just, the pages of the Old Testament are all about the promised coming king. And when you hear Christ, you got to keep the word, you know, the idea of the king in view. This is the son of David. This is the one who will come to rule a kingdom which will have no end. All that is implied whenever you see the word Christ. So, in the Creed, when it just starts out with, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, you've got packed into that the entirety of the Scriptures, just in that one little phrase.
0: Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. He is host of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. It's part two of our series on the Nicene Creed. We're talking about... The One Lord Jesus Christ. We'll get into the Only Begotten Son of God next. Several issues, etc. Regular guests are candidates for leadership positions in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has received nomination forms for the President and Vice Presidents of Synod. Please encourage your pastor and congregational leaders to fill out and return these nomination forms before February 28th of 2023. Learn more at issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations, issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. I'm Chaplain
2: Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Congregations work hard to keep the Word of Christ dwelling richly in His disciples now and into eternal life. We work to help and support that effort. Learn more at lcms.org worship. You'll find resources on the church here, Bible studies on the hymns of the day, audio helps for learning to sing our services, and look for worship planning resources to find the latest from LCMS Worship. That's lcms.org slash worship. May the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Evangelical and Catholic. You're listening to Issues Etc.
0: Bethel Lutheran Church in Howard City, Michigan, preaches Christ and Him crucified. At Bethel, God's word of salvation is boldly proclaimed in all its truth, and the sacraments are rightly administered.
1: These means of grace help us peacefully navigate the craziness of this world. Bethel is centrally located between Grand Rapids and Big Rapids, just two miles east of U.S. 131.
2: Our divine services are at 9.30 a.m. Join us this Sunday to receive God's marvelous gifts of grace. Oh Lord, open my lips. Listen to chapel services live, weekday mornings from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Morning Chapel. From Kramer Chapel. Live weekday mornings at 9 Central, 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain, and 7 Pacific at IssuesETC.org.
0: Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin part two of our series on the Nicene Creed with Pastor Will Whedon. Will, what do we make of the only begotten Son of God?
1: Yeah, I know. I, I, I can't read this section and not think about a day I walked in and just about had a heart attack in seminary. Dr. Nagel was passing out a test. And do you know what the test consisted of?
0: If I know Dr. Nagel, it was... One word
1: and then a bunch of blank pages. It was a one word, monogamous, only begotten. And uh, it was at the top of the page and there was nothing else on it. (laughs) We were like, uh, and he says, everything you know about it. (laughs) So... It's a key word. It really is. We knew it. We were more familiar with it when the King James always translated "only begotten" all over. For example, when most old people learn <laughs> John three sixteen, they learn "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." Right, and in the newer versions like the ESV, that is, "God so loved the world." that he gave his only son. I think the NIV might have one and only son or something like that. But this is that monogenes in Greek. And I think, I should have looked this up. I I may be wrong on this, but I think the first time it appears in the Old Testament scriptures is in Genesis 22 with Isaac being Abraham, take your son, your monogenes, your only begotten son, which is a strange expression at that point since... Obviously, Ishmael was born beforehand, but it therefore implies, you know, your legitimate heir. I mean, that's what's running with your only begotten son. This is the one who gets all the goodies. Isaac was going to be Abraham's chief heir. So monogenes, the unique, the one, the only, and it's a way of saying, Jesus, remember how when we did father, you, you, you pointed out, people want to make that be what? A metaphor, And well, it's not, right? I mean, if anything, our fatherhood is the metaphor for that reality. Same here with son. Everything that a son is, is poured into the eternal son. This is the son. And we have sons derived that are kind of like this. But the big force of monogamous, or of only begotten, is that this is the one who actually share you know he has his sonship via nature we have our sonship via adoption and grace with our relationship to god the father the big passage john three sixteen, of course but what's running in the background all the time for this phrase is from psalm 2 where god says to the son you are my son Today, this is the eternal today, today I have begotten you. He is eternally begotten of his Father. This is the eternal day that he's speaking of here. And then after we hear that he's begotten of his Father, um, we're going to get more on that in a minute, but begotten of his Father before all worlds, worlds, uh, a, a lot of uh, versions now will will render that more literally before all ages. This is worlds in the sense of like when you sing the Gloria Patri, the Way glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be. World without end, referring to the age that does not end. So begotten of his father before all ages, before there is time, this son is already with his father. He is truly the father's son but he is an eternal son. So you have in John 1, right, this confession, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and through him all things were made, and without him was nothing made that has been made. So he is begotten truly of the substance of his father even before the ages began. The church loves to sing this at Christmas time in the beautiful hymn of the father's love begotten. It still drives me crazy that we say love there. It's actually of the father's heart begotten ere the worlds began to be. That's just the confession of what the Nicene Creed says every week. And then we have a series of uh, explanations of what this begotten actually means. And uh, the first one is really not in the creed originally. God of God, or Deum De Deo, was not in the original Nicene Creed. This was a, a Latin interpretation. Nobody objected to this, though. It's just sort of an expansion of what's said further along. Light of light. In other words, the Father himself is light. This is the message we have heard from him. This is the message we proclaim to you, that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all, John 1.9, right? So in the Son there is true light or first john i'm sorry that was first john 1 5 and then we have in john 1 9 the true light which is jesus which gives light to everyone was coming into the world he is light coming from his father with light we suggest that by which we can see and understand things right he is the very light the logos the reason behind the entire creation he shines the light of the father's love into this world which is the ultimate logic of this world and then again returning to the the same theme of of god of god is very god a very god and very there means hey he is really and truly god he is not god in some sort of a quotes around the word god type of thing like the jehovah witness or the ancient Aryans would have this really is god from god from the substance of god The father, the son eternally derives his being. So this is
0: all that source relationship again, that we have to condemn the Arians and say there is no time when he wasn't. Mm -hmm. And yet what is revealed of him is an eternally begotten son of the father so that the father is the source of the son. Is yes. that, am, I, am I pushing it too far? No, no. I mean, I think that's exactly, you
1: especially would make the Cappadocians happy putting it that way. The father has always had his son and the son has eternally derived his being from the father. And yes, there never was when he wasn't. And so uh, the summary statement then about the difference that's being driven here is when we say begotten, not made. And I don't know about you, but whenever I lead the congregation in the saying of the creed, I always slam that begotten, not made, (laughs) because I think if people get that, they get the entire main point of this Nicene Creed's second article. So what's the difference between something made and something begotten? We can use the example of our own children to sort of see this. You begot your son, your daughter. I begot my son, my two daughters. And because I begot them, everything that I am as a human being, they get as a human being, including sin, unfortunately, right? My, my sinful nature, they also get to inherit with them. But it means they're going to have to eat to live. They're going to have to sleep. They're going to grow old. And like me, they're going to die someday, unless the Lord Jesus returns first. This is simply what it is to be a fallen human being in a fallen world. So that would be very, very different. If, say, I sculpted a uh, sculpture of my daughter and said, there, I've begotten my daughter. No, no, I made that. It doesn't share my nature. It's just, you know, a a wood sculpture or a, a sculpture of stone, whatever. I would hate to see anything I sculpted, by the way. But, I mean, I think the point is what you make does not share your nature. And so think about that for God's creation. He creates us, he makes us, we don't share his nature. That we, we are not eternal. We are not omniscient. We are not omnipotent. We do not have eternity in ourselves. There's no spark of divinity in us. Yes. There is no spark of divinity. There is a wall between divinity and everything else on the other side that is creation, right? There is a clear wall. There is only one breach in that wall, and that is when God himself comes down into our flesh, which is what we're getting to. But... The confession here about Jesus then is that he himself shares the very nature as eternal son of the father. And so everything that the father is, that belongs to the son too. And that's just huge. And now we get to the the word, the word in the Nicene Creed that sort of set the um, ancient world afire. They were, you know, it's like, how do you say this so clearly that an Arian can't sneak through or even a semi-Arian can't sneak through? And it was St. Athanasius, the deacon from down in Alexandria, northern Africa, who came with his bishop Alexander to the Council of Nicaea. And he really did just stress. Now, the word that you need here is Homoousios, Homoousios, which means Of the same substance or essence. Being of one substance with the Father is the way we normally say it in the creed, but of one essence with the Father. And what's really important is that this understanding shuts the door forever to the idea of Jesus as second-rate God, secondary God. No, he has the same substance As the Father, whatever it is, that language always fails here, but take it for what it's worth. What makes the Father God makes the Son God. There is no what inside of God, but what I'm trying to say is everything that the Father has as God, this the Son also has. The way the Athanasian Creed would paraphrase this a century or so later is such as the Father is, such is the Son, and of course, such is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus then is not kind of sort of like his father, which would be the meaning of homoousius, which a lot of people wanted to slip in there. And, you know, and Athanasius and the council slammed that door shut and said, no, you can drive all kinds of mischief through a kind of sort of like the father confession of Jesus. You need to confess that he really is God. As the father is God, the son himself is God because he is of the same
0: essence, the same substance as the father. Big confession. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We're talking about the Nicene Creed, the second article of the Nicene Creed, and in One Lord Jesus Christ. When we come back, there's a little more to say before we wrap things up. We'll be talking about how all things were made through Christ.
1: If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Things above, that's the theme for this year's hymn sing at the Issues Etc. Making the Case conference. The Bridegroom soon will call us. Jerusalem the Golden, Wake Awake for Night is Flying, and a whole bunch more. You don't want to miss it. Making the Case is Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more at issuesetc.org. One of the most difficult decisions that a spouse has to make is the decision to put their beloved husband or wife into a long-term care facility as a result of mental illness. In the February issue of The Lutheran Witness, the Reverend Michael Casting tells the story of how he cared for his wife during her struggle with Alzheimer's and how he came to grips with this decision. To find out more, you can read his article in the February issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit cph.org witness or witness.lsms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.
2: Sanctifying your exercise routine with the Word of God. You're listening to Issues Etc. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Dr. Russell Dawn, President of Concordia University, Chicago. Indeed, the quest for truth is at the core of a university's purpose. The liberal arts, illuminated by the revealed truths of Scripture, are powerful for equipping students for a life of self-governance. A disciple is one who follows the master. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? He said that it means to take up one's cross. The cross is thus the symbol of dying for others, of dying to self for the sake of serving others. And a life of service is a life well-lived. Truth? freedom vocation concordia university chicago cuchicago.edu
0: welcome back to issues etc i'm todd wilkin we're talking about the nicene creed part two of our series with pastor will whedon host of the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse bible study produced by lutheran public radio Called the word of the Lord endures forever. Folks, in less than two weeks, we've already surpassed 100 registrants for the 2023 issues, etc. Making the Case Conference attendance is limited. Making the Case is an opportunity for you to meet and hear journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway, LCMS President Pastor Matt Harrison, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordleone, Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy, Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee, and Pastor Will Whedon. This year's Making the Case Conference is Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. Early bird registration is $140 and includes three meals. Find out more and register at issuesetc.org or by giving us a call, 618-223-8385. Due to time today, we're not going to get all the way through the second article of the creed here, but the through whom all things were made for years will, I thought that referred Back to the Father, and then I think sometime in college it occurred to me, maybe it's talking about the Son. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's clearly talking about. Yeah, remember this thing started out by quoting First Corinthians eight, right? And in one Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that same verse continues, through whom are all things, through whom all things were made, right? So we have to have that confession. But before we do the full consideration on that, can I just actually, sure. I want to go back for one thing on the homoosius to, to help get to how important this is. Every once in a while, you hear people say some nonsense like, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. In fact, I think that uh, when I, I did some videos with uh, Pete Slayton, he had researched big Google questions that people ask about the Bible, and one of the big questions people were asking was, did Jesus ever claim to be God? When people say, nah, he never did, I'm like, well, <laughs> "That that is so much baloney because Jesus does things that only God can do, and I'm not talking about just like the calming of the storm thing. Think about in Mark 2— When Jesus forgives the sins of the paralytic, the people totally get this. Do you remember what they say when Jesus tells the man, you know, hey, your sins are forgiven? What do the people say? Who is this who can forgive sins? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus going around forgiving people their sins is very clearly Jesus claiming to be God himself. We have in John that the people were upset that he made himself equal to God by the things he said. And then, of course, to me, the the key moment is when Thomas on Easter, or the week after Easter, uh, quasi Quasimodogenity, when he falls down before Jesus and he makes the confession, what does he say of him? My Lord and my God. This is full homoousius. This is recognizing that the man in front of him is truly Yahweh in the flesh. This is the Father's eternal and only Son. So I just think that people that say, ah, Jesus never said that, are not really being honest with the actual accounts that we have of the life of Christ from the holy evangelists. Now, <laughs> you go back to same, you know, a similar point, through whom all things were made, I think it was last week that you made the comment that led us to our brief discussion about the opera ad extra ad intra, you know, that the, the external works of the Trinity are indivisible in the sense that if the Father creates, that also means that the Son is involved in creation and the Holy Spirit is involved in creation. It's just the way the external works of the Trinity actually do work. And the Son is involved in creation as the agent through whom the Father is himself creating all things. John 1 introduces that term, the logos, the word. You know, know, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. It calls you back to how God in the beginning created by speaking. He said, this is then not an oral word. It is a personal word, a word that is a person through whom the Father then creates all things. You have this clearly confessed in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, as we've already heard. And I gave you John 1, 1 to 3, but consider how Paul expresses this in Colossians. He writes in Colossians 1, for by him, that is by Christ or through him, if you will, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. I mean, what is it that keeps your electrons floating around the atoms? You know, who knows? Well, we know. We say the answer is Christ. And when he doesn't want you holding together anymore, you won't hold together anymore. Or the universe, the same way. When, when he's done with his purposes for it, he can take it apart at the seams because it's all his. It was created through him and it was created for him. And that same little guy that we talked about earlier, St. Athanasius from uh, Alexandria, he in his beautiful little book on the incarnation of the word, he deals in detail with how, look, it makes all the sense in the world that when creation sort of went off the rails with man's sin, the agent through whom creation was first made becomes the very agent through whom creation will be remade, that God, the word, becomes flesh for us, which is where we're headed next time around. But if we go back into the boat for a minute with the disciples and we ask, who is this that the wind and the waves obey him? The clear answer is that, oh, this is the one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God and light of light and very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. That's who is in the boat with us, the Lord Jesus himself.
0: Powerful. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois. He formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. He's author of the books Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. And he hosts the daily 15 minute verse by verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. You can listen to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever at thewordendures.org, the LPR mobile app, or your favorite podcast provider. The word of the Lord endures forever. With Pastor Will Whedon, Will, thank you. Hey, thank you so much, Dot. When we come back, Tom Jipping joins us. We're going to talk about the American Civil Liberties Union is making an argument in court that abortion is a religious right. Then we'll spend some time with Pastor Sean Denzer, director of worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Looking forward to Sunday morning. issues etc book of the month for january would make a great gift for your pastor it's the new concordia commentary on john chapter 7 verse 2 to chapter 12 verse 50 this latest concordia commentary is written by issues etc regular guest dr bill weinrich learn more about our january book of the month at issuesetc.org or by calling concordia publishing house 1-800-325-3040 the new concordia commentary on john 7 2 to twelve fifty.
2: Equipping the priesthood of all believers, you're listening to Issues, etc. Memoria Press is a family-run publisher of classical Christian education materials
1: for homeschools and private schools. Every page of the Memoria Press curriculum leads students to a mastery of content, an understanding of the classical heritage of the Christian West, and an appreciation of truth, goodness, and beauty. If you're
2: interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Memoriapress.com.
1: To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org.